Good morning. And grace and peace to you. Just a word, Mike, appreciate your mentioning the, uh, the meeting next week for the brothers. Please do read that. We're uh, trying to fulfill there 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, uh, in which Paul is writing to the, the evangelist Timothy, and he says, I've taught you a lot of things, and now I want you to turn around and teach them to other brothers also, who will also be able to teach others. And that's what we're trying to fulfill, and it's some, it is, in fact, a, uh, a commandment, is it not? And we really need to fulfill that. Uh, not that you would necessarily, as a brother, get up in front of a class and teach, although may God might be calling you to do that, but in your own home, uh, brothers will be teaching their wives and their children for sure and having other opportunities, whether it's uh, in the neighborhood with neighbors or in the workplace, wherever opportunity might allow you to tell others the story. And it isn't just about teaching the gospel, but it, as we've said in the article there, you're struggling with anything, or just that you have a, you know you're weak in some area, you want to grow in some area, how to lead prayer, how to be a better husband, a better father, uh, how to study the scriptures, anything, any area that you want, this is what we want to accommodate you. All right? It's not about us saying, well, we're going to study this. No, what do you need? What do you feel you need to grow? So uh, please pray about that and come to the meeting next week. shouldn't last very long. I just want to get your ideas and input and try to sort everything out and see how we're going to move forward with that. Don't appreciate the song very much. And Mike, thank you for the prayer. Uh, had tears in my eyes. This lesson was born out of a word that I have coined over the last couple of months. It's called nutsness. Nutsness. I know it's a tongue twister. But so many things just seem to be crazy or nuts in the last couple of months in our own life, good things going on in the family, some, in some of the situation with you all in the congregation, and please understand when things happen to you, and it's the way it should be, they happen to me. I know it's not as personal and it's not as specific, but it's in my heart. And when we love one another, those things should be in your hearts as well when things happen to one another. Good things, yes. Bad things, yes. We should have this kind of love for one another. Things out in the world, things going on, just, you know, will it ever stop? And I don't have to, you know, detail any of these things. You know what I'm talking about there. And so it's like, wh where do we find peace? And a lot of this, and I, I'm really convinced, it, it's not... As you're going to see here, we're going to start in John 16. It isn't about what happens. Okay? It isn't about the politics or the things with foreign countries or, you know, wildfires and earthquakes and all this. 
and people getting sick and having troubles. And it, it's not about that. It's about how do I respond to that. And I know that in several cases I was not responding in the right way. And we tend to lose sight. We tend to lose sight of the realities of life. Okay? And this is what I'm, this is for me, as, as always, but to bring us back to square one, if you will, to talk about th this peace that we need so desperately. And I'm not talking about peace out there in the world, which, you know, we pray for that, and I hope, hope we have it. But to have the, have the peace within, no matter what's going on, no matter what's happening in my life. Let's go to John 16, 33. Here's, you know, here's another, I, every once in a while I say, here's a scripture for you to type out on a piece of paper and tack it on your fridge or on your mirror that you, where you uh, look in the morning to see if everything's in the right place before you go out the door. Uh, this is a good one to remember. I, I think this gives us some realities of life and needs to be burned into our minds and never forgotten. Let's just read it, and then we're going to look, look, look at different couple different elements of it. Jesus says to his disciples, remember, he's telling them, I'm leaving. I'm leaving, and you're going to be here, but I'll send the Spirit, but I'm leaving. And they were all kind of upset about that, and, well, Lord, where are you going and all this? But th that's the context here. And he says, these things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world... You have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. All right, now there's three basic thoughts there that we ought to always have planted in our brains. In the first one, I'm going to take them out of order because we need to remember this one. In the world, you have tribulation. The New King James says you will have tribulation. All right, now, we, we don't want to just take that to mean you're going to have persecution because of your faith. Now, that could well be true, but I think that word there is bigger than that. It just means you're going to have trouble. You're going to have trouble. Turmoil, distress, and, and it just follows, as we understand, the world has, the earth has been cursed. Uh, as we're told in 1 John 2, the world is passing away. It's dying. We've had Don's given us uh, some studies as he's our resident expert on the uh, creation and uh, creation evidences about entropy and how this world is in fact dying. The energy level is going down. Genetics, uh, the genetic code is, is breaking apart. Uh, I forget, Don talked about that in one of his sessions, that it's not too long from now that it's going to be, you know, just crazy as far as a, the human race being able to reproduce. Uh, so it's coming apart. The world has fallen and it's broken and it's filled with sinful people. So things are going to happen. And we should just really praise God and thank God when we, there's nothing going on, you know, when things are good, and, and, and thank him 
that things are good in our lives. As uh, Mike mentioned this morning, the food on the table and so forth. And Mike mentioned in his prayer to be thankful for the things we often overlook. We need to be thankful for that, that we're in good health, okay? Our family's in good health. We have a job. These things, when, when that's, that's all a blessing from God, that he gives us these periods of respite, and he's overseeing it all. But Jesus says, in the world, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble, and it will come. And he's trying to prepare the disciples for it, and he's trying to prepare us for it. Notice what he says about the peace, though. He says, in me, you may have peace. In him, you see. It's not that the world, he's going to say, oh, I'm going to take care of this world now, and there's not going to be any trouble. He does not, he's not saying that. But he says, in me, you have peace. He's called the Prince of Peace back in Isaiah. And as I was working this lesson up, I was surprised at how many scriptures directly talk about peace and even indirectly talk about the concept of peace and being at peace within. God knows when we're struggling and fighting against sin and fighting against the evil one and he's out there causing a lot of this turmoil and stirring it all up, that, that, that we need to have peace or we're, we're going to just fly apart. And we can have it. We can have that peace. It's Jesus who gives us peace in the midst of this mixed up world. And then he says, take courage uh, I think one translation says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I've overcome it all. So that, that gives Jesus the power and the authority, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute, over everything, because I've overcome it all. I defeated it, all right? I came here, I lived in the flesh, I lived in a body, and I overcome all of this tribulation, all of this, everything that was thrown against me. I overcame it, and he overcame it then through the cross, through his perfect life, and then being raised from the dead, and as the scripture was read, he has the keys of Hades and death. He's Lord of all, Lord of all. So Jesus is our true source of peace in this crazy world, in this world of nutsness. Now, you don't have to use that word, but, you know, I... It's just crazy out there sometimes. Mike will attest back here. Mike can't hear me now. It's crazy, right, sometimes? <laughs> Got the thumbs up. All right, just a little aside here. And too many people, all right, we've, we've got all these things going on, all this turmoil and trouble and problems, and we see this and that maybe in our own lives. We try to find the peace in the wrong place. And uh, you know where I'm going with this. I'm not going to uh, stay on this very long. You know, right here in our own valley, your drug of choice. Let's just medicate it. Let's, let's find the drug that we can escape with and be at peace. Uh, maybe it's alcohol, something like that. Some uh, 
Some go to the internet, to the pornography. Well, I'm going to escape. I'm just going to get away from this all. That'll, that'll make me feel better about all this. Some people like to go to the mall and spend a couple hundred bucks. Make me feel better. Some people just get nasty and lash out at anybody that's around them. Okay? And then other people, what do they do? They clam up. They won't talk to you at all. It'll show up later like we were talking in our Bible class. You know, there are dozens of ways that people try to deal with this inner turmoil. But here's the thing. They're all temporary, and none of them really work. They don't. Because they don't address the problem. And the problem is your heart. How you see the world. And who you see is in control of it. That's the problem. It's not that the refrigerator broke or you lost your job, or your child is sick. The problem is how you respond to these things. What's in your heart. You have to take ownership of that. You can't blame the world. Okay? Yeah, the, the world does things to you. But there's a way to respond. And this is what Jesus is talking about. You will have tribulation. But in me, you can have peace. All right. John is still in John. John 14, 27. We'll talk about finding that peace in Jesus. And we could, you know, we could have had uh, many scriptures here this morning, more than what's on the page. We got a, a little more than we usually have this morning. But like I said, there is a lot to this concept. And and God and, and the Spirit must have known we need this to deal with the world and to be able to continue to function properly and not let the world beat us down, okay? I'm going to present two, thought, two basic thoughts here. This is not all that's involved in, in finding peace in Christ, uh, but I think these are two of the big ones. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. All right, Jesus says, I'm giving you something different here. He says, not as the world gives, okay? The, you know, the world can give us things that really look good, but after a while they fade away, and they don't, they don't fulfill they don't follow through. They don't really address the problem. And the world is like that. And we've all run into those kinds of things where it really looks good and we think, oh, this is going to solve this problem. But, you know, in two weeks or two months, you find out, no, this, this is not working. What Jesus is really saying is I'm giving you the truth and I'm giving you the real way to deal with life. The first one is this. Let's go to Colossians 1. We must absolutely know in our hearts, be totally convinced that Jesus loves us. 
not just loves the world, not just loves the church, but loves you individually, each one. That he knows you in and out thoroughly, and he loves you. You have to be convinced of that. Colossians 1.19. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him I say whether things on earth or things in heaven. So we see here the idea, you know, this is about Jesus becoming one of us and giving himself on the cross. It was the Father's good pleasure to do this. All the fullness of God dwelt in Jesus, and he made peace through the blood of his cross. Let's ask this question. What, what else does God have to do to convince you that he loves you? He gave his son. And he experienced this horrible death. His son, as we've pointed out before, he gave up privileges in heaven to become one of us, to do this whole thing, all right? To become a man and to ever be a man. What else does God have to do to prove to you that he loves you? I have no answer for that. There is no answer for that. That's the bottom line. If we're not seeing that and accepting that as the greatest gift of love ever, oh, please, please come and talk to me about it. You really need to see that. He did it for each one of us, for each one, to rescue us from a terrible fate, from eternal destruction, but also to give us life eternal, to live with God forever. What does God have to do to, to show that he loves you? So like I say, we have to all, each one, be convinced of that. Romans 8, Paul, I think Paul here in Romans 8 is trying to, to tell his readers that, to trying to tell us that. This is the favorite passage of many people here. But are really, we really grasping what Paul is saying here? I'm not re going to read it all, Romans 8, starting in 35. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? And I think there's two ideas here as he's going to provide the partial list. First of all, can any of these things actually cut us off from God? All right? Can that happen? And secondly is, does this mean that any, if any of these things are happening to you, that God doesn't love you? And I think that's the one that always creeps into our minds. Why am I going through this, Lord? Don't, don't you care about me anymore? Let's read, read part of this. 835, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, that's what we're kind of talking about here, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, all terrible situations there. 
many of the situations we're in are much less than this. But we, yet we still struggle, not trying to downplay them at all. Just as, as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. I think he's putting that in there for us to remember when we put ourselves into the hands of God, we said, Lord, we're willing to go with you anywhere and to endure anything. But we are also remembering that we are yours and you would be with us in all those things. Thirty-seven, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us, you see. No matter what the world throws at us, no matter what trouble we're in, difficulty, be it monumental or some tiny little thing that happens, you know, your microwave broke and you get all bent out of shape or your garage door open doesn't work. I did that once. Yeah. Get all upset. God loves you. And you can conquer through that if you don't get focused on the problem and take your eyes off the Lord who overcame everything and he's still with you. He's still with you in that situation. I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities talking about the powers that be many of which we don't even understand nor things present, things to come nor powers, nor height, nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Can't happen. Can't happen. Unless we let it. You see? Unless we let it. God will still love us, but we might start to think he doesn't. And we don't ever want to go there. That's where the trouble starts. God doesn't care about me anymore because I'm going through this. Don't ever doubt that God loves you. All right, and the second thought, let's go back to Acts 2. And this goes back again to the first scripture we read where Jesus said, I have overcome the world. We have got to absolutely, again, be totally convinced and certain and remember that Christ is ruling over everything. Everything. He has all authority. Sometimes I think we believe that, oh, this is so bad, God can't do anything about it. He can't help me. He won't do anything about it. Acts 2.36, right there in the middle of Peter's sermon, maybe, uh, you know, we can have opinions on things, might be the most important thing he said there. Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord, ruler over all, and Christ, the anointed one, this Jesus whom you crucified. God is elevated. He's at the right hand of God, and he's over everything. Revelation 1, ruler of the kings of the earth. We already had the reading. Keys of Hades and of death conquered it all. He rules it all. 
And if he's your Lord, he's looking out for you, right? And he loves you. He's looking out for you, and he has the power to help you out, to help you through your situation, because he's Lord of everything. Things on the earth, things in heaven, things under the earth, he's Lord of it all. So again, we don't want to take our eyes off of Christ Jesus, because he's Lord and Savior, and he loves us. Let's go back to Revelation 1. Didn't realize we were going to have that reading this morning. Maybe the Holy Spirit thing. This is uh, two of my very favorite verses in the whole Bible. I, got, I don't have a favorite. I got a lot of favorites. Revelation 1.17, when I, I saw him, I felt his feet like a dead man. I think we all would. He placed his right hand on me saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. And the living one. And I was dead. Behold, I'm alive forevermore of the keys of death and Hades. He rules the netherworld. He rules that which we probably fear most, death. He's got the keys. He came back. I was dead. Don't you, don't you love that? I love that. I was dead. And I'm alive. I'm the living one. That means I, he's not going to die anymore. And that's his promise to us. So these two things, remembering that Jesus loves us and that he has power over everything, that should help calm our hearts no matter what's going on in life. To know he's not forgotten us, no matter how terrible something might be, somehow tragic or how minuscule, he's not forgotten us. He's with us and he has the power to help us and we can pray and maybe he will directly help, and maybe he won't, but he's there, and then if he, he'll help you get through it. He'll show you the way to get through it. And so we shouldn't get all broken up inside and go crazy, lose it, as we say. There's no need for that. It should give us the peace that we need. Yea, Lord, this is a hard one, but okay, all right, you're with me. We'll make it through. Our last three scriptures, I just don't know that I'm going to do a whole lot of teaching from them, but just reminders about the peace that we need and invitations to peace. And even here in Mark 6, 30, beginning, Jesus in his own day, in his own day with the disciples, recognized this. And, and their, their situation right here was just that they had so many people around them. Of course, Jesus always drew the crowd. 
when he was healing and teaching, and people just thronged him, and they just didn't have time. Well, let's read it. Mark 6.30, the apostles gathered together with Jesus. They reported to him all that they had done and taught, and he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. For there were many people coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. And it says they went in a boat to a secluded place. And then you're going to read that that really didn't work because the people followed them. But Jesus recognized we got to get away. I like those words. Come away with me. Let's just go over here and sit down and rest and talk. We need to do that. How many of you do that on a regular basis? I hope you do, because we need it. You need to find a quiet place and a quiet time. I don't care if it's only 15, 20 minutes. You've got to do that. Otherwise, things just build and build and build, and you just, you're, you're the rat on the wheel. You gotta, and the, the thing is to refocus. Pray, remember some of these scriptures, read a little bit in the word, reflect and meditate. Yeah, okay, Jesus, you're, you're still there. I know you love me. Yeah, I need help in this one. But you just gotta do that. You just have to do it. Come away, Jesus says, come away. Psalm 131. I'm going to read the whole thing. All three verses. Listen to David. And David had trouble, didn't he? We've been reading about David and Samuel. Oh Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. There's sometimes a problem with us, you know. We're trying to figure out all the problems in the world. <laughs> problems with North Korea and Russia and this and that. And Hey, wait a minute. That's not our problem. That's not for us to do. Surely I've composed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child rests against his mother, my soul is like a weaned child within me. In other words, totally content. Totally content. I understand. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. Again, God is the source that we need to go to for hope and peace. And lastly, from Matthew 11, you, some of you could quote this one. Again, it's some, a passage that's a favorite of many. And as we read this, let's understand... Uh, Jesus isn't necessarily talking here just about getting rid of the burden of sin, okay? Because he doesn't really mention that specifically. Now, it would be involved in this, but what does he say? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. In other words, is life just too much for you? Yeah, the, the sin problem is always there, but 
You know, when you try to do life by yourself, it just will wear you down and crush you. Jesus is really saying, I can, I can help you do life. You learn how to do it the right way with my help. And that's what he's saying. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. See peace there, rest and peace as you go through life. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And indeed, the world, the world will come at you hard. The world will lay burden after burden upon you, make demands of you, will trick you and deceive you. And Jesus says, no, you, you, you serve me and I will take care of all those things. You will have rest and you will have peace. Well, I'll leave it with you now. Please take the words and think about them. Consider them. Jesus loves you. He loves you more than you can think, more than you can imagine, more than you know. And he is over all. He is King of kings and Lord of lords in every realm over all things. And you can trust him. So in him, you need to find peace. We didn't go to Ephesians 2, and in Ephesians there, it talks about him making peace through his cross, and we did read it in Colossians. Those who are outside of Christ are at odds with Christ, odds with God. There's enmity there because of sin. And through the cross, Jesus came to make peace between God and man, between God and you. But through his blood, you can be forgiven, become his child, be reconciled to God, and be one with him, and move forward in your life, and look forward to life eternal. If you want to obey the gospel this morning and take advantage of that grace, be baptized into Christ and receive that forgiveness, we can help you with that. If you need prayer this morning, if you are, in fact, all torn up on the inside, just turmoil and trouble, and you would like us to pray with you this morning, we can do that. As always, I say, uh, you can call one of the elders or myself, Mike or Mike or Don or Rick. I'm sure they'd help you as well. When you get into a difficult situation, you feel like the wheels are coming off, don't. Try to do it by yourself. Get some help. If you want to respond this morning, please come while we stand and sing.